Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to either view this on YouTube or listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon uh, Prime. And uh, we're grateful for your sharing with us. And uh, as always, we encourage you to let us know how we're doing. You can reach me at fredjeffsmith at cox.net. Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net. Let us know how we're doing, how much you're enjoying the podcast, if there are things that we can do that would make your experience with us better. We want to hear from you. I'm very happy today to welcome these two wonderful young ladies here with us who are going to talk to us about mental health issues and mental health advocacy within the African-American community. I want to welcome Miss Sajika Blajon. Bonjour. I hope I said that correctly. Oh, you messed up. Bo- <laughs> the, the I said it wrong both times. Okay. Uh, 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 it's help, okay. help, help me, please. I'm Sashika Bonchon. Sashika Bonchon. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank okay. you so much for coming to share with us. And Shiloh's own Jessica Kane. Yes. So glad to have you with us. So tell us your story. How How is it that you came to be doing what you're doing now? All right. So, um... I am the founder of the Outstanding Mature Girls Organization, and it's an organization uh, geared towards young ladies ages 10 to 19 years old. And so we mentor them, we educate them on HIV AIDS awareness and STDs and other health-related fields. And so those other health-related fields, um, that's where mental health comes in. That's Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, just being overall, just eating healthy, you know, things like that um, come into play. And so, you know, our girls are amazing um, servants when it comes to community service. Um, They um, understand that, you know, life is service and that giving back um, helps you you know, pretty much forget about your burdens at that time and be able to, you know, help others. And it just makes you feel really well. And so they've been doing that, especially um, during the month of December with, you know, lots of give back events. But um, that's what we do. Um, We sit down, we have sister circles where we just talk about just certain things that uh, may be going on in you know our, our personal lives and there's probably one person in the group who's experiencing the same thing but was able to get over it and can help that other young lady and you know just share that experience with her and so um, that's what we do with with OMG, and we are one of the largest youth organizations in Louisiana for girls. So we're in schools, and especially during this pandemic, um, we of course had to back out of schools a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we still have our off-campus um, program that we do, where we have 30 girls consistently um, attend weekly. Um, via uh, virtual and then we have some socially distanced activities in person. How does the virtual thing work? Uh, uh, Because all of us have had to 
relearn how to conduct our lives as right. a result of, mm -hmm. of this pandemic. And a lot of people get Zoom fatigue mm -hmm. uh, and things of that. So how, how has that worked with the, the young people that you are working with? So, um, so we were actually uh, preparing to go virtual because of our large base across Louisiana to where, you know, the girls wanted to meet their other sisters in other areas. So this was our plan since last year, uh, November. So when the pandemic hit, it was so easy for us to transition. Really? And it just kept coming to my mind, like, if you're prepared, you should not fear. Like, you know, like we weren't, we were ready to just, to, to just move and it just merged really well. And so I understand with virtual fatigue. So that's why we, um, started doing, we took our first chance of doing a, um, our first outdoor activity, which was hiking because just, you know, during the pandemic, you just hear about, um, these mental breakdowns people were having, not being able to be around each other. And so we, the, the first thing I thought about was something in the nat in nature mm -hmm. for us to do. So we, um, we did actually, no, we did a bike ride. So I still, we did a bike ride around Greenwood park and then we did a hike. And then after that, I'm like, you know what, let's do a wellness garden. And so the girls, um, we, we planted a, a wellness garden where our peppers were just flourishing. And so the girls would, they would take, they would harvest it, mm -hmm. take it home, take pictures of what they cooked really? with it. And so we got rid of our spring garden. Now we have our fall wellness garden where we have shards, Brussels sprouts, you name it. And so let us grow kids organization came in and helped with our, um, with our fall garden. So it was, it was pretty Jessica, yes. talk to you? me about how, how's everything going? Going great, going great. I'm glad to be here in this capacity. Well, we're delighted to have you. You're, you're Shiloh family, so welcome home. Yes. Uh, tell me what your primary role is with regard to working with these young people, these young ladies. So basically what I do, I, I can just say I, I am a... Sasha's back, you know, <laughs> anything that she needs in terms of that. Uh, and, you know, we tell the story often. I am the first original OMG girl. <laughs> you know, uh, Sashka and I, we met, uh, she hired uh, me to do a teen talk show back in 2001. Okay. Um, and when we did that in 2001, we started to, the girls pretty much started to connect and do things for um, Our Lady of the Lake Children's Hospital and other, uh, com and other community organizations. And we started to, you know, be like, oh, the Word Up Girls is going here. We're doing this. We're doing that. Um, and, you know, that I still carry that mission within me because I know what she started within me. And I would not, I can say, you know, honestly, be who I am now if it wasn't the pillars of support that I had around me, such as Sashika, uh, to, you know, really take in being a young lady and how to be a young lady with leadership would set skills to not only for myself but now i have a daughter that's 15 and grow her with the same type of backing uh, so we do that without sending mature girls and now have taking our health black uh, so we make sure that these are definitely uh, ventures in our community where people can grow learn and in turn be the best that we can for our community because if we can do that for our community then we can see different numbers of things that can change within not only people their self mm -hmm. but also the households in general mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so give me a, a picture of what takes place in a typical meeting a typical a typical gathering that you all have uh, 
help me to understand what goes on, what, 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 what the agenda is for a typical meeting. So um, just kind of rewinding a little bit. So every August, every beginning of the school year, mm -hmm. um, our girls, we have election. And so we have a we vote in a, a president, a vice president, secretary. Okay. Um, uh, uh, look, look, yeah, treasurer. Look, my mind is going blank. And uh, a chaplain, you know, and and so um, those girls conduct our meetings. So when they come in, um, the secretary, you know, she makes sure the the role is um, passed around, take notes. The president um, welcomes everyone out to the meeting. I mm -hmm. mean. These girls are on it. Whenever we have a, a new young lady come in, you know, they, they just make her feel welcome and, mm -hmm. and wanted. And they conduct, they take over because I tell them that, um, you know, and these are young ladies who were shy. You know, these are young ladies who <laughs> at first did not want to be in the organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so I feel that once you give them that responsibility, that leadership role, like it just makes them feel um wanted it makes them feel uh, like a sense yeah is it peer uh generated or, or or is it a case where parents are saying you need to be a part of this um both yeah, i would say um the parents would bring in a child and sometimes um caseworkers mm -hmm. bring in children um and sometimes it's just word of mouth mm -hmm. and I, we have so we we started off initially as a conference and so our conference started off with like 75 girls and then um just last year um, we had over a thousand young ladies like it, it it just grew from from then on okay. and so just in my email and i have to respond back to them i saw it yesterday there was a mom that reached out from the conference now keep in mind we had a virtual conference this year we didn't have an in-person conference right. But this was from last year. And so with that just still being on her mind to want her daughter to be a part, because she saw that even through the pandemic, our organization did not stop, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. doing the work. And okay. so, yeah, but that's what happens um, in the meetings. And yes, it's both peer and parent. It's a good know, mixture. So, yeah. That's good. Uh, 10 to 19, that's a rather large uh, range mm -hmm. in ages and I would doubt if a 19 year old feels like they have much in common with a 10 year old so how does that work itself out okay so um, we have that we have that question asked to us a lot and um, our young ladies the older girls have become um, they also be we call them our sister's keeper mm -hmm. And so we tell them that they have to set the example for our young girls. Now we've we've had situations early on in our organization where um, you know ten year olds will come in and we'll have older girls, and the example set was not what was up. You mm -hmm. know, like it's not what's up. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know we'd have to tell these young these older girls that you're setting an example for these younger girls to follow. Like you know you cannot. You know, you have to lead by example and you can't behave that way. You can't dress that way. You can't, you know, this, that, and the other. And so, um, and so we started something called the OMG way. And so the OMG way is, you know, you have to, you know, just carry yourself, um, you know, just respectfully in the community at home with integrity because we can't see you. So we are not always right. in, in your house. And so, and just, you know, at school. And so, um, 
with that we've had um, where some girls started at age 10 and now they're in ninth grade and so they've become leaders and so and then they give back to the 10 year olds they tell them mm -hmm. you know how you know hey it's, it's going to get better mm -hmm. um i know your mom probably pushed you you know in here to be a part of the organization and um it's it, it works like we said our motto is a club that works like it works um with the 10 and the 19. now there are activities that um, we may do where we separate them but other than that like it works do the 19 year olds graduate to use the best term that i that comes to mind uh, into sponsors or yes. uh, consultants yep. to the group and things of yep. that sort. Exactly. They're a part of our advisory board. Okay. And so um, my daughter is one of those because she started when she was 12 okay. and now she's 20. All right. And so, and so you know, we have quite a few um, college girls who are a part of that particular board where they, you know, hey, this is what um, I feel, you know, could have worked better for us back in the day mm -hmm. that may work um, even better for the girls now and so you know I, I listen to them and we just make it work how does the school system help or, or does the school system have a role to play in what you all are doing yes um, um, in the schools look I'm sorry <laughs> in the schools um, uh, we normally um, deal with the, the counselors um, in the schools and they would hand select um, young ladies who would be a part of our organizations organization sometimes it will be young ladies who may need that extra push and sometimes it's just um, a young lady who um, may not have any other siblings and this is something good for her like a sisterhood to be mm -hmm. a part of so you have a, a mixed variety of young ladies but yes um, in the schools that we attend the principal is very supportive, the counselors are very supportive, and the parents are. Good. Um, you all have a mental health uh, uh, role that you all are, are trying to move into, or are moving into, I shouldn't say trying to, you're moving into. Uh, help me to understand, I think I have my own notion, but I wanna hear your thoughts. What are the unique mental health issues that affect African-Americans as opposed to the public at large and African-American young people specifically? What, what, help me to get a picture of what the mental health issues might be that are specific to the African-American young person. It is definitely a stigma within our culture that mental health, and we, we talk about this sometimes, if you think about, you know, if you take it back to, let's just say, I'm not gonna call anybody family members out, but if you think about a family member and you ask some, you know, ask an older adult, what's wrong with that family member? Oh, they just have bad nerves. You know, it's never an actual diagnosis of what's taking place with that mm -hmm. person. Um, and I think that's a large part of the black community not necessarily adapting to getting help mentally. Um, and it's important, and with our cause, with taking our health black, it's a wholeness. It's a, a whole of your mental health, your spiritual health, mm -hmm. your physical health. Um, and if right now what we're seeing in terms of the mental health within the African-American community, suicide rates are higher and it's starting at a younger age. Mm -hmm. um, also, people are not necessarily taking counseling uh, seriously or going to counseling or seeing that uh, counseling is not necessarily a, um, a need. It's more of, and, and don't get me wrong, 
I am, and as uh, Reverend Smith has said earlier, I am a member of Shiloh, but we tend to, in our black community, we can pray about it, but we can't seek help about it. Mm -hmm. um, and those two mm -hmm. things go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And I think those are barriers that we're actually, we're trying to break down within our community. Um, just like you take medicine for Tylenol, I mean, take medicine such as Tylenol for uh, a headache or you have the flu and you take medicine. Sometimes there are times where you may need medicine for a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so bringing in counselors who look like us to the forefront to be able to adapt to uh, our community and let them know, hey, it's okay to come and sit with me mm -hmm. and not lay out on my couch like you may have heard and stuff like that, you know, um, understand the help, how you can better yourself and better your uh, your children as well. Because as we know with mental health, um, this is sometimes a trait that goes on for generations. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're able to help this generation of understanding that, hey, if you're seeing certain signs, it's okay to go get help. And it's okay to tell someone you're getting help. Because uh, you may be helping the next person or another family member uh, reach their, taking their health black and the wholeness of their, uh, their health. Okay. You, you, you started off by mentioning the mythology that exists around mental health issues. I imagine that there is some pushback that comes from family members when you're able to identify a mental health issue that might need to uh, be investigated, that, that might need to be uh, uh, counseled through. And people are saying, what you saying about my child? Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and defenses come up. Yes. Uh, how do you overcome those? I can answer that real quick. So, yes. um, so whenever we bring in, we, we bring in a young uh, mental health counselor. So mm -hmm. I bring in someone who um, may probably just be three to four years, you know, older than some of our older girls. Mm -hmm. And, um, I let the parents know, hey, um, we're doing a sister circle today. We have um, someone coming in just to kind of uh, talk about our feelings. And so I see who will attend and who may not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how we kind of, you know, get it out there. And then, you know, the girls are expressing themselves. And even whenever my daughter was a part of the sister circle, I would leave the room. I wouldn't even be in there because I'm like, yeah, you can go ahead and talk about me. Don't <laughs> <laughs> go ahead because you got to get it all out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I, those circles are, are very powerful um, for our young ladies. And um, yeah, you may have some some pushback, but uh, for the most part. Well, my, my contention has always been that there's no such thing as normal. Normal right. is different depending upon your own personal background and experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I used to hear people say when I was coming up, you, you have to behave normal. Well, normal is a subjective thing. So when you're dealing with people who come from different home backgrounds, different mm -hmm. economic backgrounds, different academic backgrounds, yes. different geographical backgrounds, that's a broad spectrum of things that, that you have to overcome in order to actually get to the problems that may exist within that individual. Uh, when the counselors come in, is the opportunity given for uh, these individuals to have more one-on-one -on -one personal uh, relationships the with goal. these yeah. counselors? Okay. Yes, the goal is, is to make sure that 
we're not leaving anybody behind. Mm -hmm. And it's also to put pressure on community leaders to let your community know about the free services that's available um, and connecting those two. So just like with Outstanding Mature Girls, if a counselor comes in and sees a need, you know, we want to make sure that that need is met beyond just, you know, meeting within that group. Mm -hmm. And the same as far as like when we're, you know, talking to different organizations, making sure that that need is met beyond just if we're sitting here and we're talking we lay, lay out what, what the steps are, and then now it's time for the opportunity to make sure that those steps are implemented. Mm -hmm. Because of this pandemic uh, and people having to exercise social distancing and, and things of that sort, uh, have unique mental health issues risen to the surface as a result of the isolation? You know, I watch these news programs and they talk about the problems that some people have because they're isolated and, and I'm not talking about sick people who are left to die alone. That's obviously a problem. But just the idea, I, I, I don't have a problem being by myself. I'm, I'm pretty mm -hmm. good with it. But there, <laughs> but, but there are some people who want to interact with other people and the fact that they can't causes issues. Yes, ma'am. So, um, so we've had... Um, that come up and um, with that coming up we started doing um, assessments mm -hmm. with our girls during the pandemic because mm -hmm. you know at the club meetings um, we, we would say yeah check on your um, your sister your sister's keeper you know your sister that's not here go check on her but you know when a parent approached me about her daughter she's like you know Masashka I don't know what's going on like she's depressed now I took her to the counselor like she's doing she's on meds and this that and the other so I said I'm coming out so mm -hmm. I, I went over you know to the house we met outside um, and she was just saying that she misses you know just hanging out with her cousin she misses you know being a part sure. and her mom was like well she doesn't even want to come to the activities you know so mm -hmm. how so I re-invited her back to join us you know, at the club meetings and um, just let her know that she is missed and loved and, you know, just just take that step to, to come out. And she was like, well, I just, you know, I don't know. I just just want to be locked in my room, but then I really don't want to be locked in my room. Mm -hmm. And and so um, I told her that, you know, because her mom was saying she just had a hard time opening up with the counselor. And I said, you know, um, she's there to help, you know, talking to the counselor. I said, you know, talking about the counselor, she's there to help. Please, you know, continue expressing your thoughts and your feelings, you know, to her. But also in return, come on back and um, see what we can do with our socially distanced activities that you can be a part of. So mm -hmm. she was there when we planted the garden. Um, she was there whenever we went. We just went to the park. Mm -hmm. You know, we just went to the park. And um, and so, you know, she started, she was even there at our uh, Christmas social that we had um, this past Tuesday. And so um, just being around, um, you know, your peers and, and just seeing how, you know, they're handling this and just talking to them about it, I think that really, um, you know, helped her. The mom, after, I think it was, I don't know what event it was, but she had called me and she was like, I don't know what y'all, because I thought we were in trouble. She was like, I don't know what y'all did at that club meeting. I was like, what happened? She was like, but, you know, she's excited about going back and she Good. met some new friends because we had new members join, mm -hmm. even during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And she um, interacted with those young ladies and, you know, they had something in common. 
And so, um, you know, that's how we, and so from that point on, I said, okay, we're going to, I'm not going to wait for a parent to call me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out there and, and check on these young, young ladies. And so that's where our older girls um, are coming into play now. So we're going to do a training on, you know, how to uh, do assessments. And so the girls will be ready to go out and they're assigned a sister, Mm -hmm. the older girls, and they'll be able to go out in person because it's only one me (laughs) and, um, and, you know, sit down and talk with them. And I told them outside and a parent has to be present Mm -hmm. and just see where the need is and, and what's going on with them and, you know, how can we help them and also give them some resources that we can refer them to, um, as well so that's how it's great in in terms of this the youth and the parents and that's where making sure that we're catching we're trying to catch all areas Mm -hmm. because with the parents like you said you know some people are high functioning Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're high functioning when you're at work for 40 hours a week or more you may not necessarily realize the things that uh, mental health issues that may arise Mm -hmm. uh, because you're always under pressure you're 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 going 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 Mm -hmm. and when life slows down and now you're working from home now you're on zoom meetings now your kids are virtual you know you start realizing you have different you know certain things are starting to hit you Mm -hmm. um you may not be you're not high functioning anymore Mm -hmm. so maybe your attention span is not where it used to be Mm -hmm. Um, maybe you realize in thoughts that you used to be able to push to the side and now they're more present because you have more time to think about those thoughts Uh, so now is the time more than ever to make sure we're bringing mental health and wellness to the forefront of you know we're starting it with outstanding mature girls and the hope is that as we're teaching them these these tools that they're not just learning it for themselves the hope is that they're bringing that into their school systems they're bringing that into you know whenever we are able to move about a little bit more the student she was just talking about can now teach those same life skills to her cousins once they start coming back together and also being a resource for the parents for those who you know may you're developing more unhealthy trends now sometimes you know we're home so we're snacking a little bit more Mm -hmm. we're putting on a little bit more weight Mm -hmm. um and with that become you know comes insecurity so it's a whole lot of things that's packed into one that we're trying to take off layer by layer uh in order to make sure that everyone is able and capable of meeting their best their best self well one of the things that uh i wanted to ask you all about uh has to do with how young people handle stress yeah. and, and pressure. You know, the, the, the stereotypical thing is we don't want them to do drugs and we don't want them to drink and stuff like that. But I, my personal experience is I, I never did drugs, never drank. I ate when, when, when you can look at me and tell. Mm-hmm. I, when, when I'm under stress, I eat, mm-hmm. I, I'm a binge eater. And uh, whereas everybody would say, well, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs. Here, baby, have another piece of cake. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't going to tell nobody if eat another piece of pie. And and, and so there are enablers to help you with with such things as food and perhaps other things that don't immediately come to my mind. How do you all... assess that kind of thing? How, how do you identify when it's not the, the stereotypical vice that everybody says don't do, but it's something that people say, oh baby, the, a, a, another piece of cake ain't gonna hurt you. Uh, 
it's looking speak to that for me please it's looking for things that are you know your child right nobody knows their child better than a parent um, and not looking for, you know, we like you said, you tend to look for, especially with teenagers, you're looking for the common signs of are they taking, you know, pills now or mm-hmm. are they, you know, drinking. But the most thing that is coming about with youth is they're cutting and you may not ever see it. Describe it, cutting. Help, so help me understand. Cutting um, basically with some youth and even as adults uh, that putting pain in another area takes pain away from the mental stress and anxiety that they may have. So some people may put rubber bands around their arm mm-hmm. and pop them, pop them, pop them because it's helping, you know, keep their mental anxieties down. They also may cut just as you, you know, some people may eat to relieve their stress. Mm-hmm. Some people may cut to relieve their stress. Uh, so it's so many different signs. Now by cut, you mean they take a knife mm-hmm. and they yeah. actually... Well, razor. Mm-hmm. Razor, yeah, on their wrists. Um, you, common common areas of the back of the wrist, the forearm mm-hmm. um, that you can look for, uh, and they are you know if you ask them, hey, what happened? Oh, I I scratched myself, mm-hmm. you know. But you, there's only so many times you can scratch yourself in you know different areas, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, parents are completely under stress right now. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent and you have multiple kids at home, even one can do it. You know, I have a 15 year old at home that uh, is virtual, but if you have multiple kids at home that's virtual or even going to the school system, that's a stress alone. Then you have work, that's a stress. And if you're like so many within this community, you've been laid off. Mm -hmm. So now you have financial issues taking place. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you're abandoning your child or abandoning their need. It's just that you're not noticing sometimes because there's so much things going on. So you may not notice that John is eating a little bit more or sleeping. Um, You know, John Mm -hmm. used to be the typical child that would get up Mm -hmm. at five in the morning, you know, play and do all kinds of things. And now he's sleeping until one or two Mm o'clock, you know, and get up for a little bit and go back to sleep or you know they're hiding behind the mask of social media right now and i can tell any parent i know it's hard to keep your kids off of social media but statistically speaking social media is what the common cause of bullying and what leads to most students suicide attempts Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's that's one area that you can eliminate and your kids will be very mad at you, but it will help in the long run mm-hmm. in terms of making sure they they stay healthy mentally. You know, and if you're healthy mentally, and that's secondary, because my belief is if you're healthy spiritually, everything else will fall in line. Mm-hmm. But if you're healthy spiritually, healthy mentally, then you can also be healthy healthy physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. just to talk about um, the suicide, um, what Jess was talking about. So we um, have a heart foundation. We mm-hmm. um, did the 13 minute, minute challenge. That's, that's whenever we went to the park um, that day. And we just talked about suicide and bullying uh, because um, we have a close relationship with have a heart foundation because one of our little girls, her brother, um, took his life and he was always a part of OMG the conference his mom is one of our facilitators she's a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. and so um, that's near and dear to us and you know we're always you know talking about it. we even did the 13 minute um, challenge whenever we went for the hike so we're always just in support of um, mental health awareness but just bringing that um, to the forefront talking about suicide and looking for the signs and hearing the girls talk about um, their own, you know, situations with um, mental health and what they do to help themselves. And they were sharing this 
um, we were at the park and they were just outside sharing this and you know what they do they may um, you know meditate listen to you know just relaxing music and take deep breaths and you know and most importantly talk to someone mm -hmm. talk to someone mm -hmm. and if they see someone you know because I told them I said y'all I said being rude and talking about people and teasing somebody I said it's overrated I said mm -hmm. I said y'all I said we gotta you know like if y'all see that like don't allow that to happen anymore I said you know you all are outstanding mature girls like step in mm -hmm. you know step in and, and say something because if you don't say something you you are a part of you that problem and mm -hmm. that's what happened to that young man mm -hmm. you know he um, was being bullied at school and you know I don't know if anybody had the chance to step in, you know, and then just bring, you know, and, and he took his life before school, you know, one day. And, you know, receiving that, that I mean, I was crying like it was my own child because sure. of the relationship, you know, that I had with that, you know, family and that I do have, you know, with that well, family. Well, part of the mythology uh, is that Black folk don't kill themselves. That, that, right. That, yes. That, mm -hmm. that, that's a white person's disease. Exactly. Black folk mm -hmm. don't do that. But that's certainly not true. All the numbers have changed. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I imagine young people don't know what the numbers are historically, mm -hmm. but people my age uh, would not even think in terms of suicide as being a problem within the African American community. And yet, what I'm hearing you all say is that. It is a problem that you all have to confront with young people. Mm -hmm. It's definitely an issue with young people. And as adults, we have to take the lead in not always putting stuff under the rug. You know, we want to hide these family secrets where there's somebody at some point that committed suicide, but the family's just not going to talk about it mm -hmm. because it puts a blemish on the family. Um, and the same thing goes back to, you know, when I, I think about uh, my own family at times, uh, you know, a, a person would they would have a mental break. But what it would look like to, you know, a family who doesn't know anything about mental health sometimes, uh, that would look like more so, oh, he had bad drugs that day. And from that point on, you know, he hasn't been the same. No, guys, that's not what's happening here. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's more so making sure that our families, you know, we we're, we come, the black community, we come from, you know, pillars of respecting our elders, respecting our elders, you know, listening to the wisdom of our grandparents and our aunts and uncles. Um, and now it's time to put that gauge up a little bit more and talk about things that we would never talk about. That used to be uh, where you didn't talk about it in church, you didn't talk about it at home. And if it if you did talk about it at home you were told whatever happens in these four walls stays in these four walls mm -hmm. so now you're you're dealing with that stress all by yourself mm -hmm. um so when you have all of these triggers and issues going on within yourself you know you didn't just have you know take bad drugs so that that can't be it you know oh i'm not at the age to you know have bad nerves so that can't be it so it's all of these I guess you can say misconceptions and trendy way of saying things to hide the real issue of what's taking place within mm -hmm. our families. Mm -hmm. The biggest misconception is um, parents think that children don't get stressed out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you're young, what you have to stress about? Oh yes. They, they do. do. Come back to me when you have a real problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They they do, and it has opened my eyes just listening to mm -hmm. our young ladies talk because you know oh I had a stress because we always ask them about their day so. 
how was your day um, at school? Oh, how, it was stressful. I had to deal with this teacher. I had to deal with these kids that didn't listen to the teacher. And so, you know, and then I had to go to swim and this, that. And so kids do get stressed out. Like there is mm -hmm. no such thing as uh, you're young. Uh, you, you, you can handle this and no mm -mm. and it's being right. more open and letting them talk about yes. those mm -hmm. that stress you know because sometimes we can tend we have our own things going on like like you said you know come back to me when you look i got bills to pay mm -hmm. i got this going on you know in some situations you know uh, i just got a divorce whatever the case mm -hmm. may be right. um that doesn't leave room for that child to be open and sometimes when they're open they're afraid of what's our comeback going to be and you know are they going to be punished for the things that they're saying mm -hmm. and it's you know whether it's one night a week one night a month just having that open discussion where your child can talk to you without the fear of what you're going to tell or how you're going to punish them mm -hmm. or you know what's your or is she going to be mad at me or he's you know my dad's going to be mad at me just let them lay those thoughts out there because if they can lay those thoughts out there i promise you you probably understand a little bit more why they're going through these things. And definitely not saying with mental health that everything deserves medicine and everything deserves a, a visit to a counselor. Everything but, may not deserve that. Mm -hmm. But Jess, in, in the black home, you can't, uh -uh, you can't, no, you can't tell, no, don't, don't, don't express tell yourself. Me. Yeah, yes. don't tell me. <laughs> Don't and so we have to, you know, only only white kids express themselves to their parents. Yes. And it's like we have to stop it. Like yeah. we have to stop that because, <laughs> you know, and and the thing is, you know, just, and we're not saying be disrespectful. Yeah, that's what I was about not, to say. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not what we're saying. We're not saying be disrespectful. Do it in a respectful way, and that's yes. what we tell our girls. Like, mm -hmm. go and explain this to your parents respectfully. Mm -hmm. You know, if they ask you to do the dishes and you have a test to do or whatnot, ask them, is it okay if I do it afterwards? Because sometimes we'll be like, huh, -uh, this come first. You better come and do these right. dishes now. And oh, you should have did your homework earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter's at Baton Rouge High, and I, it is like being at college her 10th grade year um is like the 10th grade blues mm -hmm. when i tell you she is like and i'm so thankful for this friday because she doesn't have any exams but she's trying to you know and i'm like you know well, why didn't you empty out this trash you know this has been sitting here for a couple of days mom i just haven't thought about it like i, I i've been studying for geometry i've been four hours this like 16 hour days of, of studying and mm -hmm. You know, we think about it as, oh, we have all this responsibility. You know, oh, I'm going to work and doing this. Why can't you do both? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, that's going to develop over time, mm -hmm. you know, because we are teaching them and molding them, but what we don't want them to do is shut up. What we don't want them to do is shut up to where they feel as though they cannot come to you and mm -hmm. speak. Mm -hmm. And we just have to go back and think, you know, we came from, I know I did. Yeah, I came we, from the children should be seen and not, not heard. Mm -hmm. I know I couldn't sit at the adult table. Actually, me and my daughters, we're our, our <laughs> my daughter, our keyword is kitchen because I'm still old school. So I know like if, for instance, if adults are sitting around the table, you're not coming in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. That's that's no, you know. Mm -hmm. So I will tell her things like that. Even if I'm sitting on the sofa and it's adults, I'd be like, "Hey, kitchen," and she knows what that means. Like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta yeah, get out. Certain things, certain I would things, say, you know, you it's a balance. Them, yeah. You know, it's a it's a definite balance. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget the old school lessons that we've learned because that's why we are who we are now. But those there are things that we can change along the way. We don't have to continue the same narratives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's expand a little bit away from just uh, 
the young ladies that you all deal with, and let's talk about mental health issues in Baton Rouge. This past week, Bridge Center for Hope um, yes. opened mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. uh, give me your thoughts about the Bridge Center for Hope. I'm, 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 I was gratified to see that uh, the young lady who is the executive director is an African-American young lady. Uh, I've had the chance to talk with her. I get a sense that she has a sensitivity for the mental health needs that might exist within this community, uh, primarily uh, revolving around uh, substance abuse issues and mm -hmm. things of that sort. But to me, a 30-bed unit or a 35-bed unit in a city of 400 or, or, or an area of 400,000 plus people is just a drop in yeah. the bucket for the mental mm. health needs that actually exist within Baton Rouge. What is it that you would like to see happen in Baton Rouge going forward? Bridge Center is great, mm -hmm. fine, uh, but what is it that you would like to see happen with regard to mental health and and a more serious approach to mental health as we go forward? So when I saw that, the first thing I thought about was my oldest brother. Um, and I don't want to get him on it, but, you know, the first thing I thought about was him because, you know, he's, um, he's suffering with, with mental health. And um, it took my parents a while to understand because they use the word normal mm -hmm. um, a lot. And so with me going through trainings and going through the, I had to come back and teach my parents because, of course, they're not going to sign up for any trainings or anything like that, but I had to teach them. And so um, now they have a, a, a better understanding of how to talk to my brother and how to, um, to deal with him and um, his paranoid schizophrenia. Like it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really tough. And so when I saw um, that they were opening that, I'm like, is he, is he really gonna get help? Like, is he gonna be a part of that? Is he, you know, is this, can he be in that 30 you know can he but you know it just made me sad because i'm like he's gonna miss out because mm. there are other people just like him that you know who need it and we'll get there you know and it's, i feel we just need more i feel yeah. we need more um hospitals more clinics more places to treat them and not lock them up in jail, mm -hmm. um, you know, not just uh, medicate them at certain facilities and let them tell you when it's time to go home mm -hmm. because my brother has done that. You know, he's gone to several and he'll call us like, man, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm in here, you know, talking, treating them and I'm just ready to go. Somebody come, somebody come pick me up. And the thing is, it hurts you because like you don't want your family member to be you know, on that other side, and then you hear them, you know, talking, you know, with their senses, and you hear them, you know, just back to the person that you knew them being, and it's like, you know, my brother's okay now, but then back out, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, not wanting to take medication, not wanting to do this, but it's like, I feel that, um, you know, it needs to be a place where they're there for a long time, six months or whatnot, something that will help them, like, and just, you know, help them to, to get back 
to you know where they where they were or at some point to where they're able to um because my parents are not going to be here forever right. to help take care of my brother and it's like you know is he going to be able to take it or will he just be another statistic will he get locked up and or you know whatnot so you know it's, it's really tough to see that um, it's it's really hopeful to see that they opened up a 30 room place but it's like i feel that more you know spaces more places um need to to be available because mm -hmm. it's not just you know 30 people and i know that they're going to be able to help more people but mm -hmm. you know i feel that it's be a whole yeah, wing you have to normalize it and you know uh, the thing is is that we build all of these hospitals you know our focus is always health which is great you know have on the shirt now taking our health black it, it, i open more hospitals open more hospitals definitely in our low-income area but don't forget that mental health typically not typically it leads to everything that you're seeing now you know we want to blame the police chief we want to blame the 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 uh the politicians for the crime that's taking place now we want to blame the zip code that is taking part in but we're not looking at the root of the issue mm -hmm. and the root of the issue nine times out of ten is mental health mm -hmm. um but they don't I'm, I'm, I'm just upset and mad because <laughs> they don't when it comes to going to to court or whatnot the first thing with a black person, they don't say, oh, let's check their mental health. But no. when, and I'm sorry, I'm not playing no race card or anything, but when it's a white person, they immediately, let's check their mental health status. And that goes you're, to... You're good to play a race card here because race is... is it's an issue. Is, ...is a serious issue that has to do with this. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> no, black so folk <laughs> don't get the same uh, opportunities to explore mental health issues that white folk get. It's the truth. Just lay it out. It, it, I mean, it, it's a fact. It saddens me. It's great that we can, we, we're working together to help, but why do I have to wear a shirt that says, taking my health black? Yes. You know, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to make sure that a spotlight is being placed on all the, uh, the health, uh, discrepancies with black people why do we have to see all of the you know COVID-19 you know it started out where you know people at first was like oh it seemed like it ain't us this time you know it's the other races but what we don't realize and it's uh, some of it falls on us as an individual but 60 percent 70 percent more falls on what with the cars that we're dealt you know um COVID-19 for instance uh those who are those who are uh, African-Americans die twice as much more than any other race. Um, and that's because of diabetes, that's because of um, high blood pressure and other cardiovascular mm -hmm. uh, diseases. Um, and the other thing, you know, we look at those statistics and we see how many people have died from COVID-19 with that. But the mental health portion of it, if you will look at how many people have committed suicide or had drug overdoses because of their COVID, the situation within this pandemic that are African-American, you know, you would see the same, you know, rising numbers. And for me, that's still a tick for COVID number, you know, mm -hmm. because the pandemic has put so much pressure there. Mm -hmm. um, and as we take it back to uh, the Bridge Center, great. We got 40 beds, you know, 35 to 40 beds. Um, what else are we going to do? Like Sashika, you know, she's told her story, her testimony in terms of her brother. You know, we have to make sure that 
we're putting that on the forefront. I just feel like mental health is always the back. Mental health is always the back of it. People don't realize that mental health causes uh, the robbery sometimes that's taking place, um, and it goes to the DA. Um, in terms of the DA taking a more stance on making sure that there we're not if someone commits a crime that goes to jail or goes to prison what are the resources that that are provided in terms of their mental health for when they go there and when they come out um, and I while feel, they're being held before trial even, ex even takes exactly place. you know and if you do you know I'm a I'm a data person and if we're looking at these statistics and, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the city of Baton Rouge data oriented as well, you're not only just seeing, you know, people look at it as, oh, that this particular man comes from a crime family. But you know exactly what this family has dealt with because you see the numbers. You see what's taking place. So why are we allowing these trends to continue to take place? And that's why it's a passion for me. I will wear this shirt. I, I can wear it every day because everyone of every race and taking our health black is not just about black people you know banding together oh you know it's another black movement no we need our allies to join us mm -hmm. we need the you know white people you know any of all races to come together and realize what's taking place in our communities what's taking place in our health what's taking place mentally in order for us to do better as a whole because if you if you get forget us and you let us drop off there's a mm -hmm. lot of things that's going to drop off too we mm -hmm. you know if you look at all the stuff we've invented if you look at all the things that we've done just keeping the economy moving. Yes, keeping well, the economy moving. Part of the other problem, uh, it's been my experience, is that mental health issues display themselves through substance abuse issues. Yeah. Uh, and it metastasizes, if I can use that term, uh, with criminal justice mm -hmm. problems. There, there is a robbery, there's domestic violence, there's uh, an assault that takes place. And there are facilities here. Senecor comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 it's a facility uh, that's near and dear to me because a close family member of mine had his life completely transformed because of mm -hmm. Senecor. I'm, I'm grateful to them for that. But Senecor and groups like that have their hands tied if someone is caught up in the criminal justice system. Yeah. We can't take them until this matter has been resolved. Mm -hmm. So. Either the person stays in jail because nobody can pay their bail, or the family is saddled with having to deal with an issue that they are ill-equipped to deal with until the criminal justice system does its part, and then you hope that you can take the person from the criminal justice system into a mental health or substance abuse facility to try to get the person the medical help that they need. It seems to me that there needs to be a better relationship between these mental health facilities and the criminal justice system okay. in that you guys are advocates for mental health. Am I on the right track or, or, or mm -hmm. do, do oh, I need to be corrected in what I'm thinking? There needs to be legislation behind it. You know, we put legislation behind everything else. You know, there needs to be legislation that protects those who suffer from mental health issues as it interns of um, when they go into the court system. There needs to be law of how things should be followed. Um, if we don't have anything set in stone and in front of us and made law, then nobody's going to do it because not everybody has the heart. Um, some people are just there to collect the check. Um, some people are just there for the name or the fame. 
So we have to make sure that um, those who are able to create bills and legislation can create bills and legislation to protect those who are suffering from mental health um, within our communities. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that um, there is a stigma even for those who are suffering from mental health. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, for my brother, he doesn't think anything's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so he doesn't want to take his medicine and he um, does not want to go into a facility. Now, the only time he goes is if my parents call the coroner's office or whatnot and um, they bring him. But, um, you know, he, he, he literally said, and this is him saying that, you know, that's for crazy people. And so... Um, you know, trying to get someone with mental health um, issues to understand that, um, you know, it's get that word crazy out of your mind. But of course, that's what they've been labeled and stigmatized mm -hmm. as. And so um, that, you know, this is going to help you and trying to get them to understand that there is something wrong, even and though they that state that's something wrong, you know, uh, to us like my, my sons are like terrified of their uncle mm -hmm. you know because you know he'll come in and um you know they stick close to like if we go visit my parents like mm -hmm. they'll stick close to their dad and i and so um you know just getting them to understand that something is wrong and for them to break that stigma in their mind, but I know it's it's hard. And that's the thing, it's like for us, it's, it's more so for us. It's not for your brother, mm -hmm. it's for us because those who are, um, and I've learned great things, actually she's a member here as well, uh, Bracelet Williams, she's a, a licensed family, um, family and marriage uh, counselor. Uh, and one thing that she talks about within the those who are schizophrenic, it's that's a symptom of mm -hmm. someone who's schizophrenic mm -hmm. um, is that they don't understand that there's something wrong. One of the symptoms is is that as soon as they get well, they feel as though they don't need medicine. Um, so it's for us to understand that about them. And it's for us to treat them accordingly, make them feel as well as possible, but within their realm, mm -hmm. you know, within within their their area is not saying let them go out and you know live by themselves in Nevada mm -hmm. or somewhere it's no making them feel comfortable to where they feel like they're living enough of a normal life and we normalize um, and those labels do hurt definitely those labels um, where people automatically assume if you're taking medicine that you're crazy you know they don't make it any easier mm -hmm. for getting a job you know they make it seem as though you know, you can't, um, you know, if, if you're labeled, you know, let's just say if you have depression, anxiety, um, schizophrenia, those are things that can automatically cancel you out of a job if you happen to, if they, you know, it's illegal, but if they know those things about you, they're not going to want you um, working um, in their facilities at times. Uh, and I'm not saying all jobs are like that, but it's, it's, that's a step that we have to take. Um, and that's the community taking care of those who are sick mm -hmm. um, and letting them know that it's okay to be sick. Mm -hmm. it, it's okay. Um, a lot of people live with terminal illnesses such as cancer. And for those who have cancer, we make sure we have the GoFundMes going. We make sure that their cancer treatments are paid for. We go and cook. We take care of the kids. We do all of these things. Um, but someone who's having a mental break, you know, it's, 
and there's things that we may not be able to deal with, just like with cancer. We have to send them to the hospital to have treatment. Same case scenario with someone who may be having a mental break. We have to send them somewhere first to be treated. Mm -hmm. um, but when they come home, it's up to us to make sure, and it's, a diff it's so difficult in terms of mental health, um, making sure we can do all that we can sometimes, and it's still not enough because of the battles that they're facing, the, the demons that they see. Um, but we can do a better job, not just in the household, but when he walks outside, know that the community is there as a pillar of support. But like I said, it, it starts, um, you know, within us. And it mm -hmm. starts it, it within us, and then we have to grow it to a city level and to a state level and hopefully to a, the level of the entire United States. But I know some people have to understand that not all mental health is um, drug-related. It's trauma. Some of it's trauma-related. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I know for us working with people who are living with HIV, um, for them to get a diagnosis that they're positive, they have a, a mental breakdown to where, um, you know, now their life has changed and um, and some um, take their lives because they feel that I'm dead. Whereas you're not dead um, if you receive an HIV diagnosis, like you can live a long, healthy life. And so trying to convey that over to um, our friends and our clients and our, you know, people who um, receive that diagnosis, um, it's something that, um, you know, we have to do before. So I guess just within the community, um, before they sit down and receive that diagnosis, let them know that you can live a, a healthy life. You can um, go on and be an advocate because, you know, we're, we're advocates for, um, for HIV. And so, and we're, we're allies. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, creating more allies in the community, um, something that's that's needed as well so trauma uh you know when it comes to, to trauma that can definitely um have an effect on uh, people's mental health so it's not yeah you know they come in and you know they're on drugs or whatnot but it's something that um they um may have dealt with in their past or just find out trauma and stress mm -hmm. yeah so just just dealing with with that as well so yeah it, it can be you know trauma induced so. let's talk about the church and the church's role with regard to mental health issues i serve as pastor of a church and i'm always interested in learning how the church can be more impactful in the day-to-day -day life and issues that exist as advocates for mental health, as advocates for young people, young mm -hmm. African-American people, how do you think the church is doing uh, <laughs> with, with regard to uh, the role that you think it can and should play with regard to the overall uh, quality of life I was, for I, our people? So, and I hate to cut you off, but I no. have to say that um, church that I'm proudly a member of um, back when I was six, 16, 17, um, me and my family were in a terrible car accident uh, going to St. Louis. My mom lost her sister in that car accident. And one of the things that helped us through was the grief ministry that was here. Because we came to, at first I was like, I'm, I don't need any grief ministry. I mean, I, I was 16, 17 then. I, I knew her. That I was, 
she, I'm talking about my mom. She can go to that by herself. I'm good, you know. So she went a couple of times, and um, over time, I was able to, you know, adjust to it and go, and it really helped us through that process. Uh, and I think, uh, well, not think, I know, not every church is set up that way. Not every church has a ministry for grief, has a ministry for counseling. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, people are afraid to come to the church with their issues because they're afraid of what is going to be said about them or, you know, they're so condemned of their, their past and their sins and this and that. And, you know, I'm a believer of, you know, we're all, a, uh, we're all sinners saved by grace. Uh, but a lot of people don't know the word just as fluently as, you know, me or you or, you know, Sashka can speak it. Um, so I think the church has to do, as a whole, has to do a better job in terms of making sure people know that whoever you are, no matter who you are, um, it's still okay to come inside of the church doors. And it's still okay to come and have, you know, counsel with your pastor um, and receive uh, a spiritual word and a word about life in general. You know, and I think sometimes they think that, uh, you know, they come into church, you know, I don't want to hear about the Bible. I don't want to hear about this. But it's baby steps. You know, you plant that seed, somebody's going to water, it's going to grow. But letting them know that it's okay to come as you are. Um, you know, a lot of the people who are suffering from mental health are uh, within the gay and lesbian community. A lot of people who are suffering from mental health are drug addicts. A lot of people who are suffering from mental health are going, to, going through a divorce. You know, these are all the stigmas that have been placed in church of, you know, you're not welcome here. That's what they think. Mm -hmm. um, and it has to be known that, yeah, okay, you may have had an abortion, but you're still welcome here. You know, you, you may have gone through a divorce, so you may be gay, lesbian, what have you, you're still welcome. And I don't think they know that they're welcome. So that's the, I think that. Well, let's be honest. They aren't welcome in every church. It, yeah. And, and, and so if we're going to be totally honest yes. about it and bring it up, then let's acknowledge the fact that there are churches where people of certain uh, belief systems, people of certain uh, sexual orientation, people of people are not always universally welcome. They should be. Mm -hmm. If we represent Christ and Christ mm -hmm. represents universal love without limit and without restriction, then we're not being good disciples of Christ if we put limits and restrictions on who we welcome into our body. Mm -hmm. So, I guess the question then becomes, how do you help us, the church, be who we say we are? Um, <laughs> Recognize just, the need to be who we say we are. Um, just pretty much just like accountability. Um, yeah. I know, for example, my coworkers um, in the HIV field um, and those who are positive, um, they, when they, in their stories that they share, when they received their diagnosis, they went to their pastor and, you know, they were pretty much shunned, you know, and, you know, it kind of turned their, uh, belief in a different direction too. So these are people who, um, you know, had strong faith and, and, and belief in God and, um, couldn't understand why um, a man of God uh, would, you know, or a woman of God would, would turn them away and um, 
not um, accept, um, you know, their uh, their sexual preference and not accept, uh, you know, their diagnosis, thinking that they're dirty and um, you know, and you know, and just hearing uh, my coworkers talk and they were like, you know, yeah, they, you know, my pastor thought I was dirty and he didn't realize that they got a whole bunch of dirty people in the church. <laughs> right? They got a whole bunch of dirty people in the church. But, um, we put, we, we turn a blind eye and a deaf ear mm -hmm. to what we want to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear mm -hmm. to. We're hypocrites. But he's let, let, from mental health by that. Let the record show. It mm -hmm. is. because We're hypocrites. Yeah, but I'm, he suffered from mental health because of that. Yeah. Yes. It's something that he had to, um, go seek counseling for and um get out of that and now yeah he's he's back in church and he found a church that accepted him and his diagnosis and you know and just he's thriving and just an amazing like he's an amazing friend you know so it's so you know it's hard because i'm you know shiloh is my second church home my first is in new orleans and you know coming from the background of women shouldn't be in the pulpit, um, women should not wear pants to go in the church, you know, don't make too much of a joyful noise, you know, you, you know, it, it was so many different things that were more so, this wasn't Bible based, you know, so to speak, and it took me to, not everybody is strong enough to dive deeper into the word and really find out for yourself what the word is actually saying. Um, and, you know, I have not gone to any theological schools or anything like that. Uh, but uh, just the example of women shouldn't be in the pulpit, uh, you know, that was bothering me. Just, you know, kept staying in my head was bothering me. You know, the only answer sometimes that you'll get from some churches is I said what I said. You know, that's yeah. the word. Um, so I got a My mom bought me a, a study Bible. And when I was reading through the study Bible, you know, where it came to the point of the women not being in the pulpit, it wasn't because they couldn't preach the word. It was more so, um, and like I said, I haven't gone to theology school, so I'm, look, I'm not trying to preach in these sermons, but it was more so because they were using that as to go against their husbands. They were mm -hmm. using that pulpit for other reasons other than, you know, speaking the word of God um, from what I read within that. And it, that hit a light bulb for me in terms of you have to go beyond the 15 to 20 minutes that you hear within the sermon. You have to study the word for yourself. You have to know it for yourself. Um, and that's like you said, how do we go? How do we help you? We have to be fishers of men. We have to go out there and still be disciples, still, um, you know, be the, the walls of the church outside of the church. Uh, and, you know, put, plant those seeds of, you know, I may not be able to get you to believe today, but I can bring you to a pastor, bring you to um, a deacon that can help you set you on your way. Um, and that's one thing that, that I know definitely I can do better at. Um, you know, I was president of the Young and Auto Committee way back when, uh, but those are things that I, I started to leave behind and started to more so focus on different things. But as you ask that question, those are things that we have to do more of as individuals um, because pastors can't do it all by themselves. You won't know, you know, the 
what's taking place in the street all the time. You're only one person. Uh, and so it's up to us to really be the light of the world, you know, and not take that lightly and help in situations where, you know, Jesus wasn't sitting in church all the time. He was sitting with the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. you and know? that's what I was about to say. So I, I was thinking the, the pastors, um, church leaders, they need to be out there because sometimes you may not have the same experience that I have. You may right. not have a family member who's suffering from mental health. You may not work in the field of HIV and AIDS. You may not, you know, so it's just pretty much just educating yourself and, um, pretty much forcing yourself to go out there and say, I am going to learn more about um, people living with HIV. I'm going to learn more about um, mental health. I am going to put myself, because prior to, you know, my brother, um, you know, um, suffering from mental health, I didn't, you know, that wasn't something that I wanted to learn about or knew about or, um, like Jess said, you'll see, uh, be like, oh, that's, uh, that's Uncle Joe. That's little, that's little, that's such and such a little crazy, you know, yeah. like you wouldn't <laughs> even, you know, just so now, um, you know, there's terminology that I use differently now, mm -hmm. you know, now there's, um, there's more education that I know about people living with HIV and, you know, those are, the, those are just like things that I'm passionate about, youth, HIV and mental health. Mm -hmm. So, um. You know, just but it took for that to happen. And so I would say to anybody out there, like, don't wait until you experience it. Go out there and educate yourself. And um, that way you're able to um, embrace those in in those um, in mental health, HIV. And I think depression. it would be helpful if more people in the church acknowledged that they don't know. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just just say, I don't know. Uh, that's step one. And then step two try to find out. Don't, don't just leave it at, I don't know, because that's ignorance. Mm -hmm. uh, after you've acknowledged that you don't know, then start trying to know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you have to talk to people who do know mm -hmm. and learn from them. I, there is a hubris that exists among some of my brethren and sistren, uh, where we don't want to acknowledge that there are things that we don't know, that, that, that God does not just strike us in the head and we are infinitely knowledgeable about every subject right. mm -hmm. in yeah. the world. Uh, and, and we have this veil of piety and, and super knowledge uh, that we don't want pierced by the reality that there's stuff out there going on that we don't know. And the disconnect is troubling to me because it makes the church ineffective. And you ought to be able to see that by virtue of the fact that folks stop coming. Folk don't vote with a motion and a second. Folk vote by not coming. They simply don't come. They find someplace else mm -hmm. yeah. to go. And, and, and unless the church humbles itself and acknowledges the yeah. fact that maybe we can learn from somebody else. We're going to continue to have these problems. That, that, that's, that ain't directed well, that's at y'all. That's, that's, that's directed at yeah, us. That, yeah. I appreciate this podcast yeah. because that's yes. what you are doing. You know, you are taking that step to be able to educate yourself and to be able to learn. And and you're sitting there with humility just yeah. wanting like, okay, y'all teach me. Yeah. You, know? Yeah, and it's, <laughs> you know, and it's hard, you know, being in your shoes because I've watched congregations go silent when you try to bring up the pressing issues because you have so many, you know, older 
older members, like you say, that's not willing to learn. And it makes it hard for the younger people who are, and I'm not just gonna say younger people, sometimes we think just young people are struggling with uh, sexuality and struggling with drug addiction. There's your older people too, mm -hmm. you know, that are married for 40 years and struggling with sexuality mm -hmm. issues, correct. you yeah. know? Um, but they're too afraid to live their true self or be able to speak out because like I said, when you speak out, the congregation goes silent. Mm -hmm. You know, congregation goes silent and they go, you know, their separate ways and in some cases they may gossip about what's taking place or, mm -hmm. you know, and that may alienate you even more. Um, so I think it's more so just having those hard conversations because, um, you know, with my daughter going to, you know, she went to private school at first and she was shielded from a lot of things, you know, for the first, you know, from kindergarten up until eighth grade, she went to private school. So now here we are in public school and she sees everything, you know, and she brings everything back to me like, mom, you know, this person, I can't even call her her. I was like, yeah, they're, binary, you know, binary, you know, you, well, what am I, you know, learning that and accepting that there's some people that you may not be able to, may not refer to themselves or as he or she mm -hmm. it may be they there um, and it may in be them. in them you know <laughs> and it, it, it may sound weird to us because that may not necessarily be who we are but it's accepting those and trying to learn who they are yes because if we try to learn who they are you know it's not saying that we you know oh that's who I am now it's supporting who they want to be and if we're able to do that the mental and it's not going to be an automatic cure for mental health but it definitely will be a step towards um, bringing the numbers down in terms of um, your suicide rates uh, your anxiety um, and yes anxiety can, can be controlled by medication um, anxiety can also be controlled by actually listening mm -hmm. you know actually hearing what they're going through um, their depression you know, the depression may be, I, you know, I go to this church every Sunday, but I can't be who I want to be. And I'm not saying do that in disrespectful manners, but just being able to be comfortable um, in the church that you were born and raised in and sitting in, you know. Mm -hmm. I have truly enjoyed this conversation. Mm -hmm. I thank you all for taking the time to come and share uh, your knowledge and your passion uh, with us. And I hope that you all will come back again. Definitely. Really, really. Yeah, thank you so, for having us. Thank you all for viewing. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next time.